Way back a long time ago, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, I was a children's pastor. And I got to go to a conference at Rick Warren's church in California with all these senior pastors. This was way back when I was 29 years old. If you think I look young now. <laughs> when I was 29, everyone, oh, when do you graduate? Okay. And so I went to this big, massive conference on how to be a purpose-driven church and all this stuff and saddle back and seated, sit at the feet of Rick Warren, Uncle Rick, Pastor Rick. And it was full of these baby boomer senior pastors. And after the first two sessions, it was lunchtime. And during lunchtime, they had this, it's Southern California, it's outside, we're dining al fresco. <laughs> so you get your food and I'm passing by all these Tables filled with men in tasseled loafers, crisply pressed khaki pants and polo shirts that had the logo and name of their church emblazoned over their heart. <laughs> Real pastors. Pastors who shepherded thousands. And, and I kept wondering if, if one of them would let me in, if one table would let me sit down. And it was an awkward moment. And it wasn't the first moment like that I've had. When I was an executive pastor, the church charged me with the task of mentoring the church's Hispanic pastor, Miguel, which I thought was funny because Miguel, I think, had killed somebody. Like, I mean, he did serious prison time in some place like Ecuador or whatnot, and, and I mean, it was a big serious crime. And, and then he found Jesus, and so I'm supposed to mentor a guy who is getting up at four o'clock in the morning every morning to pray for two hours. Then he would go work a nine-hour manual labor job. And then five out of the seven nights of the week, he would lead a different small group or Bible study of other Hispanics all throughout greater Lexington. And I was his mentor. <laughs> hey, now. And so when I would show up at the Hispanic service, I'm telling you, Jorge, no speak no Spanglish, Okay. So I go in, you know, max in all of my English wonder and, and there I am in the middle of a Hispanic service or at one of his small groups talk about awkward. And you know what? Those guys let me in and they welcomed me and they were kind and there was room for me. Not unlike an experience I had in a very unlikely place when John Mark swam for the Firebrook swim team. Okay, so years ago when he was younger, um, John, and I think Jill, I, I think she was too young. So he swam for Firebrook. If you know anything about the Firebrook neighborhood in Lexington, when the neighborhood was being built, there was this giant billboard. And the billboard said, estate living for those who can afford to choose. I did not feel like I qualified for estate living. <laughs> So I would drive up with John Mark. There were like two days out of the week that Jenny couldn't take him. And I, th I don't know if she was taking classes at EKU at the time, but I, I would be the one two days out of the week to drive him up. And it didn't make sense. We couldn't afford to pay for the gas for me to drop him off and then drive back to Nicholasville and then drive back to get him and then drive back to Nicholasville. So I had to stay and wait. And I would bring a, a book or something to do. And uh, at Firebrook, they had these circle tables again all around the pool deck. And that's where all the parents would sit waiting for their kids. Uh, for swim practice. And there was one particular table that let me in and that let me sit down. 
Uh, and you know who the table belonged to? The Firebrook Misfits. It was the team's lesbian couple. Then there was the single mom who I'm pretty sure was on the news for something based on the way people talked about her, but I never really wanted to find out what it was she was famous for. <laughs> and some others like that. And that's the table that had space for me. And the funny thing is, after we, were get, after we got to know each other and they found out that I was an Asbury grad, that I was an evangelical Christian pastor, married with children, that I was one of those, they still let me sit there. In fact, there was a moment, I even wrote down what the lady said. She said, Max, you want to know something? You're all right. In fact, I want you to know you're welcome at our table anytime. Boom. There's an attitude. An attitude that, hey, come on, sit down, there's room. It's an attitude that, come on, is missing in a lot of churches in America, isn't it? I mean, come on, you can think of some filled with some old grumpy people. You can think of some with some denominational names on the sign that's outside the building. An attitude where when the people are inside, there's this attitude of, you know, it's us, it's what we need. You know, we, we are the ones that built this church. And then when new people come in, there's this awkwardness of, you know, there's been too many new people. You know, I don't know if I'm going to get time with Pastor Bill now. You know, and it's that attitude that pervades a lot of churches out there. I really believe that at Generations, the church is a family, not a business. And I believe that in our community, we have an opportunity to be different in Nicholasville. Um, and I want this family, our family, to have the attitude that the misfit table at Firebrook had, which is simply, hey, come on, sit down. There's room. And that's the attitude I want all of us to embrace because there are people in your life right now who are on the outs with God. They're on the outs with God, they're on the outs with organized religion, and they're searching. In the 80s, we called these people seekers, and we totally reinvented church for them. Now, today, they're not so much interested in church as they are in meaning and meaningful relationships. And that's where you and I come in. And that's where Generations comes in. I believe that you and I should be making genuine friendships with outsiders so that we can help them encounter people who've encountered God so that they can encounter God themselves. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And I really believe that Jesus shows us how to do this. And we're going to be in a passage in Luke Luke chapter 5, and it's a famous interaction he has with a man named Levi, all right? So Luke chapter 5, this section immediately follows a very dramatic healing of a paralytic man. So there's this guy, he can't walk, he can't move, his friends bring him to a house where Jesus is teaching, it's so packed, the house is packed, outside of the house is packed, they make their way through the crowd to the wall, they scale the wall, climb the roof, and dig a hole in the thatched roof and lower the man down in front of the whole crowd, and Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. Kapow. And then because everybody's a little, what? He says, take up your mat and go home. And then they're like, what? <laughs> okay, kapow. Jesus was constantly reaching out to misfits. People with the past, people who were religious outsiders. Jesus did this so well. And, and it comes to a head when he interacts with a man named Levi. And that's Luke chapter 5, verses 27 and following. Later, as Jesus left the town, 
he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. So he sees this guy who's a tax collector sitting in his booth. And I've taught about tax collectors before, but I really want you to get a sense for the whatness of a tax collector. Tax collectors were despicable people. Think of Bernie Madoff. No one on, there's not a Facebook page devoted to fans of Bernie Madoff. It doesn't exist. It's not there. Adolf, there might be one for Adolf Hitler, but those people are missed, messed up, okay? <laughs> All right? You know, and so this guy, Levi, is collecting a surcharge from travelers, and he's, extor- he's taking more than he should so that he pockets some, because in an occupied country like Judea, where the Roman authorities are the ones that are administrating you know, the law, and they're the de facto government because their military is occupying everything. You know, uh, Levi was an agent for them, and so he would collect taxes for them, but he would collect more than he was required to collect and pocket it. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew that's what tax collectors did, so they were scum. Imagine if when you filed your 1040, right, in a few months that part of the process with your tax preparer or the IRS was a wink, wink, nod, nod. You know, you, you, you know the government, you owe 2000 but you need to pay 3500 What? Yes. And if you don't, we'll come to your house and take away you and beat you up and that kind of thing. And you'd be like, you know, you would get resentful right quick, wouldn't you, with the IRS. Some of you are like, I'm already there. <laughs> they take too much already. I know. Okay? Um, so... Levi is not a well-liked or well-respected person, but everybody knows who he is. And so Jesus, uh, I think most people, when they saw Levi, they would have uh, what people today say. You know, I got two words for you. Now, I can't say that in church. But Jesus had two words for Levi, and those words were, follow me, which shocked everyone. And, and so that's the next verse. Uh, Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. This is an amazing thing that happens, all right? Follow me. And he abandons his tax booth, his source of revenue, his role, his job. He walks away from that to follow Jesus. Jesus was famous, by the way, at this point. I mean, He's the up-and-coming rabbi. He's a rising star. I mean, you've got to think of him kind of like a rock star. And he invites this tax collector to join him. Now, for those of you that have been Christians a long time, uh, I'll give you this little nugget, okay? So for the long time, you've heard like a thousand sermons. There's a word, there's an interesting thing with his name. Have you ever noticed his name? It's Levi. We know him as Matthew, the guy who wrote the first book of the New Testament. But... Levi, the Hebrew word for that, Levites, a Levite is what? Priest. His parents, in naming their son, clearly had an intended career path mapped out for him. Levi, you're going to be a go-between between God and people. You're going to represent God to people. And you're going to bridge that gap. You're going to be a priest. But what does he do instead? He becomes a go-between, but he becomes a go-between between Rome He's an agent of Rome. And instead of extending God's kingdom, he's extending Rome's influence. And he takes what his parents had intended and it gets twisted with his own quest for wealth and everything else. All right? So 
He, he gets up, he follows Jesus, and verse 29 tells us what he does. Later, verse 29, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. All right? Levi holds a banquet, and he invites his friends and his colleagues to come and, and meet the man who, quote, changed his life, who changed everything. And Jesus goes to this party. But notice what happens. Verse 30. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained how? Bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? They are hacked off at, that Jesus is spending time with these people. This is the way it worked for rabbis in the first century. You were a rabbi and, and people, lots of people wanted to hear your teaching someone like Jesus, you could handpick your disciples. There would be people lining up to be your disciple, to be your follower. And so someone like Jesus, the rising star that he is, everyone would have expected him to pick the kind of people that a rising star would pick. The wealthy, the people who had been educated, the other kind of up-and-coming people. And what does Jesus do? He goes after misfits. He goes after the uneducated. He goes after the overlooked. He goes after the people who are on the outs with God and organized religion. And they're very hacked off with him about this. And so Jesus then responds, knowing what's going on, and he responds, and he, this is what he says, verse 31 and following. Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I have come to call not those who think they are righteous but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. There's different ways you can interface with sinners. One of the ways is the way that I experienced growing up as a kid. There was a stint in time when Dad took us to an independent fundamental Baptist church. Here's how it worked. Here are the rules. Don't drink, dance, smoke, or chew. Only read the King James Bible. Be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek. Do not associate with people at high school, middle school, elementary school who are not Christians. Don't talk to them. Don't hang out with them. Don't make them be your friends. You stay pure, 100% pure. Follow the rules. Boys, your hair must be at least two inches above the back collar of your shirt. Girls, you must always be in a skirt because if you're wearing pants, it is dishonoring to God. See, I can even channel Pastor Larry. They're like, whoa, I know. And so it was spelled out for you in all its glory. Follow the rules and that's how you get in. And Jesus turns the whole thing around and he says, you know what, the way to get in is not to get your act together, it's to realize you don't have your act together. That's how you get in with God. And it hacks off the Pharisees. When I, I'm a man, and when I am really sick, I will go to the doctor. Do you want to know why? I'm sick. <laughs> I know I'm sick and I need help, and I can't help myself. Jesus is saying something profound about the type of people that are going to respond to him. They're sick. They know they're sick, and they know they can't help themselves or fix what's wrong with them. Okay? Jesus has nothing to offer people who think they've got it all. And I'm going to tell you, in central Kentucky, in the buckle of the Bible belt, you're going to run into people who are fans of Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Yes. You know, I went to church as a kid. Do you do that? No, huh? I don't need to. But I, you know, as far as they're concerned, everything's fine. 
their relationship with God is fine. And when you encounter those people, keep moving. Because again, they don't know that they're sick. They don't know that they need a doctor. And they don't know that uh, they don't know that they can't help themselves. All right. So let me ask some questions in light of this passage from Luke. And my first question is, is there room in your life or in your schedule right now for people who aren't Christians, for people who aren't necessarily church folks? And then secondly, are you aware of anyone in your life right now who might be, quote, what I call searching? Are you aware of anyone who's just searching? And if so, would you be willing to make room for them? I believe Generations is different for this community because we're not afraid to associate with people with tattoos, who smoke, who are Democrats, or (gasps) Republicans. (laughs) I hope your attitude is that of the misfit table. Come on in, get in, there's room. Remember, and here's an important thing, when you're kind of out there in life, I don't want you to sell generations as a church. Please don't do that. Because for people who are searching, what they don't need to hear is that your church is better and your church is different because trust me, they hear that all the time and they don't believe it. Instead, you know what you should talk about? Jesus. You know that stuff about Jesus? Yeah. Like, I think at least half of that's true. I gotta tell you what he's doing to me, what God's doing in my life. You're kidding. You really believe that? Yeah. And there's this group of people that I hang with. And they accept me, and they encourage me, and sometimes they kick me in the butt. Because I need kicked in the butt. But they feel the same way. Talk about Jesus, and talk about how Jesus changed you. And when the moment comes, then you can invite them to a generations type thing. But don't front load it with generations is so cool and go so great. Does that make sense? Jesus ought to be the front and center thing. Jesus ought to be the thing. And, and notice, Levi does not get up and leave to join a really cool synagogue. It's not like the disciples came by Levi's booth and they were like, we got to tell you, I know you've heard about all the synagogues and maybe you visited some and maybe you were in a synagogue when you were a kid, but I'm telling you, there's this synagogue on 3rd and Vine. It is different. No, they didn't do that. It was Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. There was something about Jesus. And I'm telling you, Jesus is still attractive today. There are people still enamored with Jesus. There are people who think that Jesus was something and someone. They're just not sure how it all shakes out. And they're searching. All right? Here's why this is important. Someone else made room for you. And I'm not going to... For those of you that are in middle school and high school... Your assignment later on today is to ask your mom and dad, is what Max said in church today true? Was there someone who did this for you? Okay, because maybe you haven't experienced this yet. But I'm going to talk to you grown-ups for a minute, okay? Someone did that very thing for you. Someone made room for you, right? At a key point in your life when you were trying to figure out God and they played a significant role in pointing you to God. I mean, think about that for a moment. Who in your life had a significant role in pointing you to God? Who was that? What, how did they do that? Ding, that's what you do. <laughs> it's the same thing because, believe it or not, someone is counting on you to do for them what that person, other person did for you. That's the Jesus way of doing things. I've been on the receiving end of that. When I was a young man and just got married, whoo, whoo, I had all kinds of issues. 
And there was an older man named Lyle who was kind of semi-famous, like he had written books, and he was like the curator of the C.S. Lewis collection, and he was like this egghead, and he was into World War II, and, and he was busy, 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 but he made time for me because I was hungry, and I was searching, and I learned how to love my wife better. I learned how to pray and talk to God better because he invested in me. It was a significant turning point in my God relationship because someone made room for me. Here's the wonderful good news. You don't have to be a pastor to do that. Like you can be an ordinary person, ordinary people, because that's what the disciples did. If you know your church history, Jesus died, rose again. 40 days later, what happens to him? He goes up into heaven. And who's left? The disciples. So the explosion growth of the church and all that miraculous stuff is the Holy Spirit and these people willing to move and work in the Holy Spirit. Ordinary people who simply made room for others. And it changed the course of history. Because if you know your history, right? By the time you get into 180 AD, there are plagues wiping out cities. Christians are the ones who do what? They go into the streets and collect the sick people that families have left there. And they're making room at great risk to themselves. And this culminates to the point where Constantine goes, guess what? We're all going to be Christians now. The reason there wasn't backlash when he said that is because the entire Roman Empire had experienced a revolution called Christianity, and they were like, you know, these Christians aren't half bad. I'm okay with that. (laughs) The same thing could happen in the United States again, and it certainly could happen in our community. And I'll tell you again, what I want for our church is by the year we hit 10 years from now, 20 years from now, that God forbid if an explosion happened, at generations we were wiped out, the city of Nicholas would go, boo-hoo, what are we going to do? Those are amazing people. They made room, they cared, they loved. Okay? 